Hey everyone, this is Dr. William Clark here. So glad that you're joining us for the Dr. William Clark podcast. This podcast is focused on helping nonprofits simplify the fundraising processes they use so they can build six-figure programs without chasing funders. I don't know about you, but I wish I knew this information before I started working in the nonprofit world years ago. But I'm here to help you build six-figure programs and I'm here to help you on your journey. So would you be so kind to not only listen to this podcast, would you also rate, would you also subscribe, would you also comment on this podcast wherever you're listening? And lastly, would you also be kind enough to share this podcast with a friend or a colleague who you believe can benefit from the content we're sharing? Now, we are here to help and support you on this journey, and I believe that we have some resources that can help you quite a bit. So go ahead, like, comment, subscribe, and share this podcast. Now, let's jump into our show. Everybody, this is okay. We're on. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. William Clark for the Dr. William Clark podcast. Glad to be with you guys for another episode. Uh, this is the ep- this is the podcast uh, that focuses on fundraising. We simplify fundraising processes so that you, as a nonprofit leader, can reach your goals, build six figure programs. That's why we are around. We are live and in charge. Um, we are in Clubhouse. Glad to have you guys in the room. Uh, Tina was uh, commenting on just joining some of the things we got going on. And this is a perfect segue, Tina, as we get the podcast started. This podcast is brought to us by the Nonprofit Fundraising Masterclass. If you're looking to learn how to simplify your fundraising strategies, and if you're looking to build six multiple six-figure programs for your nonprofit organization, then this particular masterclass is for you. We do go live next week. We go live next week, guys. So if you want to join this cohort uh, that's starting next week, please go to nonprofitfundingstrategies.com. Again, it's nonprofitfundingstrategies.com. Also, if that is something you cannot remember right now, DM me. We will get you the link and get you set up. Um, so, Tina, thanks for that segue. Um, shoot me a DM, and um, I will make sure I get you the link. All right? Uh, so, welcome to the stage, everybody. We've got a pretty robust group in the room. Glad to have you guys here. Um, <clears throat> if you want, go ahead come on to the stage so that we can get you already set up and ready to go so that when we go live with the Q&A, you guys can already be in position. I want to talk about um, all right, Tina, you been back to the audience. Okay. You come back, come back, Tina, if you want to come. You don't got to leave. <laughs> come on back, Tina. Um, I want to talk about, I'm in this theme, right, on how to raise six, $100,000 in six months. And we're going to be in this theme for a while, guys. So as you guys come into the room today, tomorrow, next week, the week after that, we're going to be talking about this. There are multiple ways to get there. Um, we have already covered one way, which is through high-value board members. I can't stress enough the importance of high-value board members and their role in building six-figure programs. Uh, we talked about earlier this week also uh, corporate sponsors. We covered the three uh, that matter, the three type of sponsors you want to have in your wheelhouse, in your portfolio. So certainly you want to do that. Um, today I want to talk about experience-based events. Events is one of the mechanisms you can use to raise serious money. Uh, several years ago, when I did my doctoral uh, work, I looked at the typical breakdown of a nonprofit budget and where does the revenue come from. And of course, as we looked at revenue, uh, it was clear that revenue came from some key sources. And as uh, as I'm talking about this, I'm pulling up my book, Sustainable. It's in chapter one of my book. And I want to just quickly talk about uh, where money goes. So here it is on page seven of my book, Sustainable, How to Sustain a Faith-Based and Nonprofit Organization. 
Uh, I write that typical annual revenue streams include service revenue, including government contracts and fees. That typically makes up 73% of a nonprofit budget. So uh, contract fees, uh, which are state, federal, local government, right, that can make up 73% of your budget. Uh, contribution and government grants or even private grants, that makes up about 21% of the average nonprofit budget. In some cases, those numbers are flipped or they are more evenly distributed. But listen to this. The smallest portion of a nonprofit budget, which includes special events income, rental income, net sales from goods, is 6%. 6%. That that blew my mind. Now, if you're looking at that budget breakdown, you can have the perspective that, okay, as I'm launching my nonprofit, I should only expect to make 6%. 6% of my revenue should come from uh, sales and dues and rental income and, and whatever else I do on the side. Or you can have the flip side perspective, and that perspective could be, well, is there an opportunity for my nonprofit to diversify its revenue sourcing? And can we increase the percentage of income coming in from events, sales, uh, sponsorships, etc., so that it takes up a greater portion of our revenue sourcing beyond 6%? Can we grow this to 10%? Can we grow this to 15 20%? Can we have this evenly distributed between contracts, grants, and other income at 3 3 3 a third, a third, a third? And so I think as we go through this series of how to raise $100,000 in six months for your nonprofit – all the elements I'm sharing with you, at least for this first part of this series, speaks to the various revenue types that exist for nonprofit organizations. And so we're going to be talking about today event us uh, experienced based events as a mechanism to raise money. Now, typically, uh, nonprofits that raise money through events do so with through galas. Everybody does a gala, right? And by a flash of mics, how many people agree with that? We got about uh, six people on stage. If you agree, most nonprofits do galas. Flash the mic really, really quick. All right, cool. If you're on the, in the audience, if you're familiar with that or agree with that, just raise your hand quickly. You don't got to come on stage. Just raise your hand. Let me know that you agree. Thank you, Mercedes. You're the best. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tracy. Cool. So with that being said, we all know that everybody does a gala and then some. Now, here's another thing we do. Another thing nonprofits do are, are cupcake sales, popcorn sales, chicken dinners, etc. I tell y'all all the time, you want to hear one of my most epic rants, YouTube me, Dr. William Clark, chicken dinners. Type that in. I think I also have it on my website, Dr. William P. Clark. And I talk about how those fundraisers really are money losers. They are revenue neutral. You spend all that money to to do those things, and you really don't make profitability. You don't make any money to do anything of substance. If I was to do a survey and evaluation of the missions that are represented in this room on this podcast as we're doing this live, I would beg to I would beg to argue or bet that your missions are worth more than a 50 cent profit margin on every cupcake you sell. All the lives you are charged to change, all the communities you are expected to help, all the individuals you are called to uh, transform, right? You need more than 50 cents of a profit margin to do what you got to do. Here's another thing I think a lot of people don't realize. The biggest expense on your balance sheet is going to be the people who run the programs. In order to get the talent in-house, the, the staff in-house to do the programs you have, you got to have talent. In order to have talent, you got to pay for them. In order to got to pay for them, in order to pay for them, you got to have revenue. You got to have money coming in. So how do we make money? How do we generate $100,000 in six months with experienced-based events? 
Um, I want to talk about this in two ways. I'm not going to go too deep with this, but I want to talk about this in two ways. You got to have a, a real attractive experience that people want to do. And then you're going to have to look at all the funding options associated with every event. Now, with these experiences, um, this is designed to accommodate a hybrid model. Even though things are getting ready to open up or are opening up uh, as a result of this pandemic, uh, we do want to be mindful that some people still do not want to, um, to, to meet up and get together in person. Also, from a business standpoint, I want us to get into a position to acknowledge that this hybrid model is going to be a winner for some of us. Because the costs of doing an event are going to be much lower because of the hybrid element. It's going to expand your capacity to do so many more cool things. Uh, so here are three things that, that I thought of, one of which I did do with our organization or that our organization did do rather. The first thing was a beer and wine fundraiser. The second thing um, that I have for you is a food prep fundraiser which is similar to the beer and wine. And the third would be an arts and craft. And of course, there could be an extensive list, but just to get the juices flowing and creativity going. Those are the three experience-based events you can have. So let's talk about it. How did how did the beer and wine fundraiser work? Well, we were able to raise forty dollars to $50,000. I think we could have raised a lot more um, from that one event, but it worked like this. We contacted a local brewery uh, in our state. We are not allowed to distribute uh, any alcohol, so we had to work with the brewery. When we identified the right brewery to work with, we also worked with this brewery to create a special brew or special flavor uh, named after our organization. Um, and we needed to do go through the fermentation process and beer creation process, which took about eight weeks. Once that particular beer was ready, the brewery packaged it, labeled it, and put it in the, I guess, containers for it to be picked up in a six-pack form. And we sold each six-pack for about $250 per. The cost was about 50 bucks. And, of course, if you do the math, we made about a $200 profit. The cool thing about the way that worked, since we weren't allowed to distribute and maintain inventory within our uh, possession, that actually made a whole lot of business sense because now when people placed orders – it was as if we went straight to our production partner who then packaged everything, shipped it out to uh, the buyers, the donors, and all we had to do was just sell. But I want you to listen to or think about the profit margin. Remember, we talked about you can't really save lives, change families, change the trajectory of a community with the 50-cent profit margin. We had a $200 profit margin. And can you imagine what you could do with a $200 profit margin? What could you do with a $200 profit margin per case sold? Now, mind you, we didn't just make money from the actual sale of the beer. We made money also from sponsors and ticket sales and everything else that, that's associated with this stuff. But just the idea of we didn't have to maintain inventory and we priced it appropriately. One of the things I see happening within our nonprofit organizations is that we don't appropriately price stuff and we don't price it to accommodate expenses plus profit. So here's a, a general rule of thumb, general, general rule of thumb. When I was in real estate and I was doing wholesaling, I was doing flipping, etc., I needed to make sure I made a 30% profit margin with every transaction. So before I even gave the numbers to prospective buyers and sellers, I, I baked in a 30% profit margin regardless of the numbers that I gave you. For example, if I knew that I needed to sell a home at $100,000 after I acquired it, then I needed to make sure I bought it at a minimum at $70,000. Why? 30% profit margin. However, 
70000 wasn't the offer I made because I had to subtract for costs and any other expenses that are associated with the property, whether are rehab costs, taxes, utilities, etc. And so my offer may end up being $40,000, $30,000, $20,000 to accommodate for all of the things I got to do as an investor. Once I do all those things and I get it into top shape, by the time it's done, I can still have my 30% profit margin baked in. That same concept should be uh, well within your psyche as you go and price out your events. You got to have a defined profit margin no matter what you decide to do. All right. Here's a second idea around experiences. Uh, food prep fundraiser. Now, especially during the pandemic, uh, this would have been a really cool idea. And I think it's still cool today where you would have a celebrity chef or somebody who's famous around your town or city. Uh, to go through the food prep process and you at home make the same meal that the chef is making similar to if you're watching HDTV or the Food Network or fill in the blank. And we would do this live over Zoom. In order to participate, you got to buy your ticket, number one, and you got to buy the meal prep package so that you can have it shipped out to you one to two days before the event and you got to freeze it. When we get to the event, we would then ask you to go and follow the directions. We start at 630 Pull your food out of the freezer at 6.30. From 6.30 to 7 o'clock, we have a mingling session. At 7 o'clock, we're going to ask you to begin the process of following the directions of Chef So-and-So, where he's going to walk you through the prep process of the food. And then you follow directions, you put it in the oven, and while the food is baking or cooking, you come back to your Zoom platform, and we, again, continue with the event. Right. Whether it's entertainment, whether it's conversation, whether it's networking, whether it's the executive director giving a speech, etc. Then we pause, we pull the food out and we eat together all on Zoom. You can do this in a hybrid environment, whether it's via Zoom or whether it's Zoom and a live event location that can handle that type of that type of uh, traffic. And then after everybody enjoys their food, you then come up as executive director, give your closing talk and then you make your ask that's the other way uh, that you generate your revenue okay you make your ask the last uh, experience I want to share with you guys and I'll talk about funding options are arts and crafts very similar to the food prep fundraiser very similar to the uh, beer and wine fundraiser it's something people can do live in their home via zoom or they can do it live at a particular event so let's say you rent out a art gallery where you're going to teach people how to paint or put together some sort of art project and they file directions from a local artist that's famous, well-known from your town, etc. In order to get into this event and have this experience, you got to buy your ticket. You got to buy the package of tools that you're going to need, whether you're live at home or you're live at the art gallery. And then we do our thing. We design, build this little project. We make our ask. So those are three experiences you can have. Of course, it's not all exhaustive. I encourage you to be creative and open-minded about what can be done and what can be accomplished. Now, the second thing I want to address about online experiences or online-based experiences or live-based experiences, you got to look at how you're going to make money. I covered a few of them. Here are the four ways that come to mind. Number one, sponsors. You already know that. You got to have sponsors. Please get away from trying to have people sponsor a quarter page, half page in your bank and your little bo uh, booklet. That's not going to cut it. $50, $100, $250 in the booklet is not going to cut it. You need an event sponsor. You need people sponsoring you at a much higher clip. And when people take up all the open spaces of your large scale sponsors, have people sponsor something else that's greater than $250. 
you got to have serious sponsors coming in at serious levels. And here's the thing, guys, with your sponsors, give them different ways to pay. Some people will pay the $5,000, $7,000, $10,000 up front because they know you got the traffic. But some people may not have the money, so give them payment plans. Even if they default, you've already gotten a good chunk of the money up front. Give them payment plans. The other thing about sponsors, have people sponsor not just the event, but have people become sponsors of your program. So a portion of their money, let's say they give you $10,000. let us say 5000 is for the event sponsorship, and the other 5000 is to sponsor a couple of cohorts of your program. Overall, they're sponsoring the program. This is a greater investment because now they're, the eyeballs, which is why they're sponsoring you, gets gets to be on their 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 logo, their product, their package, etc. It's all about program sponsorship, not event sponsorships. The second revenue source from live events online or hybrid will be ticket sales. Do not be cheap. Don't be charging five dollars for your event. It doesn't cost that. Yes, it's going to be uh, defrayed a bit by the sponsors, but it's not as cheap as five dollars, right? It's not it's not ten dollars either. People know that if they're coming to an event for a nonprofit for a worthy cause that you are championing and supporting, it's gonna cost some money. What does it really cost? What's the ticket sales? Forty nine bucks, seventy nine bucks, ninety nine bucks? Look, you gotta price right. Every element of revenue coming in from your event has to be priced right and smart, not cheap. Think about my profit margin uh, calculator we talked about. The third revenue source is our packages that are sent out. So people who are buying packages. So you got to buy your ticket sales may be separate or a part of the packages, but whatever the packages cost, add a 30, 40, 50% profit margin on top of that plus the ticket sales fee. Don't try to give people a deal where you package them all together and all you make on this is $5 profit. It's not good enough. Dr. Clark, why do you keep saying that? Because the kids you're trying to serve in your community demand more. They demand better. The single mothers you're serving demand better. The, the kids come home from prison demand better. Those who are returning citizens demand your community. All your customers, they demand better. They are more. They are. They demand more than five dollars, guys. I need you to get out of this mindset. And then the last revenue source, which is should be standard, fair across the board, is making the ask during the event. Yes, people pay two hundred dollars into your event plus another fifty dollars for the package, but you want more. You are a salesman. You are a saleswoman. This is sales. This is marketing. We are generating revenue for our nonprofits. You got to make the ask. And don't be bashful or shy about what you're asking for. You may ask for $1,800 per person that's at the event. Dr. Clark, that's insane. Yes, it is insane. In fact, you probably should ask for more. But your job is to teach people how to give. Some people will give you the $1,800 up front. Some will give you half up front and half uh, two weeks from now. But Teach people how to give every two weeks. Give $69 to this nonprofit with the, over the next 12 months, and you will end up giving us $1,800. And with that $1,800, we will be able to do this. We will be able to do more of this. We will be able to save this life and change this person's life and fix this in our community. Make the ask. Yes, there are other ways you can make money, raffles, etc. I'm not really into all that. Others can talk about that. But those are the revenue sources. And when you look at that, if you run two, maybe three in six months, two or three events of this thing in six months, and you do it right, do it smart, you will clear six figures unrestricted for your nonprofit organization. So with that being said, I want to pause here before we invite folks to share and to give their feedback, ask their questions or share thoughts. I just want to remind you guys and reset the room that this is uh, Dr. William Clark. This is the Nonprofit Funding Tips. We are doing a live recording of the Dr. William Clark podcast. So welcome to the show. This particular show is brought to you by the Nonprofit Fundraising Masterclass. If you want this type of coaching that I'm breaking down right now. 
If you need more of this in your life, if you need this to help advance your worthy cause to raise six figures or more for your nonprofit organization, join our masterclass. We are accepting applications right now. Go to nonprofitfundingstrategies.com. Again, nonprofitfundingstrategies.com. Or shoot me a DM and say, Dr. Clark, I need my application. I need to join the masterclass today. My staff, my team, and I, we will get you that application ASAP. With that being said, we're going to kick off this particular conversation with Layla. What's up? What are your thoughts about this particular topic? We're talking about experience-based events. What are your thoughts here? Uh, before I, I give you my thoughts, I have to ask, um, when you started the conversation, you mentioned that you were looking at one in your books. What book, what book is it that you were looking at? Yeah, the book is called Sustainable, Developing a Sustainable Faith-Based or Nonprofit Organization. If you go to my website, drwilliampclark.com, and click on books, and you'll, it will take you to my website where you can buy that book, Sustainable, Developing a Sustainable Faith-Based or Nonprofit Organization. And thank you for asking. No problem. I'm always trying to figure out how to support the cause. You know, when you guys, especially pour so much into um, your podcast, we want to be able to get the information, but also be able to support you at the same time. So, um, thank you for that information. Uh, so, in terms of the the examples that you gave, I'm going to tell you, I absolutely love them. They were out of the box. Um, I think that when we start nonprofit organizations, a lot of times we do gravitate to um, the galas because that's what's known. So, if you look at the standard nonprofit practices for events, it's okay. You do a gala, you do a um, a, a golf event, you do this, you do the shoe rallies and all these things that, that take so much time and effort, and you, you're right, it gets very little return. And so stepping outside a box and being creative, whether it's the hybrid method or being in person or just um, online as a whole, this has been, I, I'm blown away with the, with the beer and wine event. Like, my wheel started turning, not just with that, it just started to, to turn in general, being able to step outside the box on what we can do to engage the community. I think a lot of times I'm always thinking about, because we service um, young people, right, I'm always thinking about ways to engage the young people in the community with events, but um, I, I typically stuck with the gala events, so this is, it's, this is really great. Thank you so much for the information. Yeah, no doubt. You know, there's a guy on Facebook I follow. His name is Darius Williams. He's a home chef that found major success uh, launching his his uh, restaurants. And I always get a kick out of watching his videos, the short form and the long form videos, uh, because he's really good. And he makes the food look so darn good. Um, but he has done, during the pandemic, a number of product sale opportunities and I don't think – one, he's been super successful with it. Shout out to him. But I think that if you're going to do an event-based thing, he always comes to my mind because he is doing something where he encourages people to sell his products. And I think he has an affiliate program. But also he – in my mind, he's the avatar chef in my head that I would love to have him be a part of my event if I was doing a food-based food prep event where he's doing something live exclusive with him. His name sells. His food, I'm looking at him right now on Facebook cooking some shrimp and grits, I think. No, he's putting sugar on grits. I got to talk to him about that. That's the devil. So anyway, he, he's, 
but now nah, he's so good at it. But but he also understands online presence. He it's just it makes sense. And who wouldn't want to be there with him, learning how to cook live? And of course, he's doing it for a charitable cause. Of course, he gets the market and sell. He get, becomes a sponsor of the event, and you win. All you're doing is getting the food kits out to people. You win. It's online. It's super exclusive. The prices are going to be reasonably high, but it is what it is. And it's going to be. And he's putting this large pot of sugar. In. Let me turn this off. He's putting sugar in grits. But anyway, he, he's a great example of what that looks like, and it can work. And it's simple. And it's cheap because, listen, you're not – if you're going to do this all online, COVID or no COVID, if it's all online, the only cost you have is Zoom, <laughs> like literally Zoom and good internet. If you do it in a mixed environment where let's say you live in his city, I, I think he's in Texas, uh, and he decides to come out, okay, he may have a studio he may lease to you or rent out to you for free, whatever. But even in the online environment, it just works, man. It just simply works. And the cool thing about someone like him who has ex- incredible reach, he may be willing enough to lend his platform to let people know, hey, I'm going to do this for this organization led by Layla. I want you guys to join me. Support them. I'm going to be teaching you guys how to do this particular dish. Show up and let's have a good time. So it can work. It can definitely work. Awesome sauce. I am familiar with him. Um, I was looking like, I follow him as well, and um, he had put in one of his posts that his hourly rate is bananas. I like, believe that him. is the only thing. I, yeah, and and I and I'm not mad. He just sold out in like ten or fifteen cities for yep. um a dinner with him. You know, learning that and having it for like two hundred something dollars per head. So absolutely, trust me. I, I've been <laughs> I've been looking at ways to be able to engage my son at the hourly rate, but it's um it's a great idea. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, and as we move on to the next person, right? You gotta think about this. Even if his rates are bananas, find out what that is and charge above it because his name is gonna sell anyway. And I want you guys to be comfortable with not being afraid of zeros. Don't be afraid of zeros. This podcast, this clubhouse room, my platforms are designed to help you get unafraid of zeros. Six figures is going to be okay. Don't be scared. There's a process to this, and if you need coaching, let me know. But it's all about sales. It's all about marketing. Uh, Dawn, welcome to the stage. What are your thoughts about this? We're talking about how to raise $100,000 in six months with experienced-based events. Wow. I, I am amazed. I mean, it was worth every minute of my time and even getting up early to hear you speak today so i'm so excited i i know i'm a new founder um we're still trying to figure out all of our nonprofit strategies i mean our fundraising strategies but this was definitely one worth dropping down i mean writing down so i'm excited i i've had to overcome as a as a new profit um sorry as a founder nonprofit just overcoming uh the idea of revenue right generating revenue and i just did not want a model that was dependent on grants so um I, i'm excited i'm excited i tell you making my toes curl up in my boots so <laughs> you know and i'm gonna shout you out dawn because i think you're in hawaii right yes i am hey, layla i'm starting to get it i'm making my memories connecting right here's the thing i was looking at your profile you paid off seventeen thousand. no 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 one hundred forty thousand in 17 months so you already know, you already have the psychological footprint to make this happen. It's just yeah. converting that knowledge over to your nonprofit. You already got it. 
Awesome. Thank you. I, I can't wait to just sit at your feet a little longer and join this program. So I'm excited. Thanks again. Awesome sauce. And then check your DMs. I just sent you a message for us to chat a little bit about your nonprofit. Gerald, what's up, my friend? Welcome okay. to the stage. Welcome to the show. Uh, we're talking about Dr. how to raise 100000 uh with experience-based events. What's going on, bro? Dr. Clark, man, love listening to you. I'm always learning. As you know, I'm a new nonprofit founder. And, like, I love what you're saying about this. One, as a new nonprofit founder who's never received a grant, every dollar that we've ever earned was, was crowdfunding making relationships and doing things that have been unorthodox, right? So like for us, like doing these types of events for me, where everything that we do has been remote, you know, this is just native for me. This is native for me, like being able in a tech environment and creating programs for, um, for African-American males, like going to a lot of these big tech organizations and saying, hey, come talk to my boys and, and charging them to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Has been a great model for us. So like I can see the foundation of, of what this is and um, doing those remote based events, which cost us nothing, mm -hmm. cost us nothing. And I do this thing called the Technology to Manhood Lecture Series. And basically we go to companies who have a, a negative image of what's going on in the country today and how they're not promoting um, maybe African-American males in their environment, and we get them to showcase the African-American males in their organization and pay us to do it, right? Like, it's it's a win-win it's for everybody, costs us nothing, and funds our programs. So, you know, definitely everything that you're saying is out of the box, and, and nonprofits, you know, being able to think out of the box, especially coming post-pandemic, like, this is not going to stop. Of course, the gala has been... I may never do a gala. Mm. <laughs> you know? Like I, I don't, I don't come from that environment, but I may never do one because I just think the remote, remote based model is just so much better. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I appreciate that, Gerald. And I think we are speaking to the truth of what the future has been and what it is. I think the pandemic rushed it. But that, remember in my book, we talked about 6% of the average budget includes events, etc., cupcake sales, uh, car washes, etc. Guys, this is not uh, a death sentence of this is all the only amount we're going to make. No, this is – you got to look at this differently. This is an opportunity to grow that revenue source so you can become even more independent as Layla talked about and as Dawn talked about, free of the traditional sources. Not that you don't need them. No, you're going to need grants. Trust me, they help. They, they play an important role. But you want to diversify your revenue, generate money. And I can't stress this enough. At your events, live, online, otherwise, you got to learn how to ask for money, make the ask. Teach people how to give. In our master class, just by the mere fact of what we do, right, this master class I think costs between $3,000 and $7,000. I think that's the price, right? But when you go on our website, you're not going to see that. I mean you're going to see that if you want to pay it up front. But the reality is we're teaching people how to budget their resources to invest into something that they believe in. If you believe that I can help you get to the next level with your fundraising, you're going to look at the available options to invest in this program and pick the one that makes sense for you. At the end of the day, I'm still meeting the business goals we set for our program. Some may say this is way too much money. I say it's not enough money. And for your nonprofits, just like I'm doing with you guys, if you go to my website, nonprofitfundingstrategies.com, scroll to the bottom, look at the prices, just as I structured them, you do the same. 
This is how you're going to do it at your event. You make a crazy ask, but then teach people how simple it is to meet those goals. And like you said, Gerald, you may never do a regular gala ever again, but my goodness, you might just do special events over and over and over and over again. And the crazy thing is your costs decrease the smarter you, you, you become at these events and your revenue goes up because there are multiple ways to make money off of events, guys. Tina, welcome to the stage. Welcome to the show. What are your thoughts about generating $100,000 through experience-based events? Doctor, doctor. Yes, ma'am. Um, I just, I was involved in a event over Zoom in an hour, and they raised $287,000. Come on now. They raised $287,000. Because they didn't wait to the last minute to start. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, they wait till two weeks before their event and they're scrambling. Yes, ma'am. Six months out, you need to be working. Yes, right. You need to be working at all times. But on this particular event, six months out, they had their board members. That's right. Donate for a solid auction. That's right. Don't bring no, don't bring no whatevers. They donated long weekends at different places. Now, you know, Georgia has the mountains, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then they have the city life. So the mountain uh, cabins and the lake fronts and the whatever, um, bidding started at Mm $2,500. So I think the, the last one to go was like $7,800 was made off of a three-night stay at a lakefront cabin. And let me just let me just jump in for a second, Tina. Don't forget your thought. We talked a couple of days ago about high-value board members. If you missed it, go, yep. to the, go to the podcast, Dr. William Clark Podcast, hit the replay. Here's the crazy part. If you do this right, recruit the right board members, I, I'm willing to believe, uh, Tina, some of these board members, these are their personal properties. And they're making oh, yes. it available yes. to the public. And and this is what I'm talking about. Your board members not only give cash, but their job is to transfer and curate revenue and resources back to your organization. Sometimes it's more than just cash. It's a cabin that's valued yes. at this, and you can auction it off. And I'll be glad to take a couple of days away from the cabin just so the nonprofit can generate revenue. But go ahead, Tina. Um, they also – every – I timed it every 12 minutes. Someone came on and asked, did the pitch and ask. Yep. They gave uh, VIP boxes because a lot of the donors and the sponsors or whatever and the people who give are local. They gave $500 VIP boxes. You pay your $500, a box comes to your house that you can enjoy while you're watching on Zoom, this event, mm-hmm. you get wine, you get cheese, you get, you know, sausages, you get whatever. Every box was different because every box was donated mm-hmm. to the event. So that's another cost that's not coming out of the organization's pocket. But I like the fact that um, the person that they had that was asking was very, very, um, he was organized, but he was funny. 
he was engaging, and um, they I think they earned close to $57,000 off of just his asking mm-hmm. during that hour, you know. So when you're doing online events, you have to think outside the box. You know, you, you can't, we had someone donate, I'm not sure that everybody will know what a green egg is, but it's a, um, a meat grill type thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, somebody said, okay, if you're going to do the grill, I'm going to give you some steaks. Mm-hmm. Somebody else said, I'm going to give you some sausages. <laughs> they made $3,500 off a $200 grill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to think outside the box. Agreed. I like your beer and wine. I might make that suggestion to them. But this was for a women's shelter. And they had pictures of the shelter before it was occupied. And it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It will house 32 people. So during during this hour, they showed pictures. This is what you're giving for. This is where the women and children stay. You know, this is, a, you know, the, the house needs a playground. You know, they, the, the, the gentleman who did the asking was phenomenal. Yeah. And they gave. I want to highlight something you said, said uh, Tina, that you can't wait to the last minute. I'm going to share a real estate principle that I think speaks to this. And that is, I knew how much money I was going to make on every transaction, not when I sold it, but when I acquired the property. My acquisition cost told the story because the acquisition cost tells my calculator what I'm going to make from then and there. And I think it's the principle that you're talking about, right? You got to have these projections that are out there about what you're going to make, but you can't have projections if you don't start early enough to start the process of sales. This is why I tell my clients it starts with a high-value board who's already giving, who's already bringing in resources, who's going to make commitments, whether it's by their own resources or I know a guy who knows a guy. Give me a couple days. That matters. And then the public follows. And then family and friend follows. And then, you know, your third, your six-degree contacts follow. It begins with the high-value board, guys. Yep. So 
know, making a hundred thousand dollars in six months should be, you know, a easy thing if you just put your mind to it. Yeah. And, and start putting things in place. And I'm a planner too, uh, Tina, and I think at least for me and for you, planning is at the epicenter of all, of it all. And and I want yes. people I hope one of the takeaways of hearing from your talk and what you're saying is that Hey guys, I know you care about your nonprofit. I know you care about the kids and the people that you're serving and all that good stuff. But you cannot work in the nonprofit, running workshops, recruiting for uh, attendance, and selling, uh, generating revenue for your nonprofit. You can't do it. This is why I teach several principles on how to generate enough cash up front day one to start hiring staff to run the program because you have to run the business. I've dropped back and was a project manager. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to, I saw that was lacking. So until someone could really step in and be brought up to speed and do it and do it well, that was another item on my plate. Agreed. You know, to make sure everything was done on time, make sure the materials got there, make sure the books got there, make sure the hotel was rented, make sure the food was there, all this kind of stuff. That was added to my plate, but we did it in such a fashion that it wasn't an overload because of the timeliness that we did it. That's right. Absolutely right. Thank you. I appreciate your contributions. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Tracy, welcome to the podcast. What are your thoughts about generating $100,000 through experience-based events? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you, and I think you're amazing. Um, Every time I talk to you, it just seems like, you know, a bell goes off or a light comes on. And I'm like, yes, that's where I'm supposed to be going. So um, I I like your ideals, um, the the fundraising, because I was just talking to one of my board members about um, we're we're on track to getting a contract with um, with the city for, for our housing. But my thing is, I don't want the contract to be the major thing that helps you know that keeps us running so and you know just what you were saying um to, to create a hundred thousand in six months be a high functioning organization you know i want to create a way where we're holding our own where we're maintaining on our own because you know like i've been doing this for 10 years and i've seen a lot of nonprofits open up get big or get to a certain amount and then they close for some reason and I'm thinking because they depend too much on either government grants or funding from certain source because a lot of times the government it turns you know Uh whoever's in charge it turns so when it turns it's like you gotta be ready because those grants and those contracts and all that stuff gets pulled away I wanted to create a way where we can sustain when that stuff does go away or when it gets limited so just hearing you speak about the different ways of fundraising really spoke to me and you know because I was thinking of Gatelas too and I you know I know that they take a lot of time and energy and I like the idea of the beer and wine and the food prep I mean those are something small that you can do that can generate a lot of revenue and another thing you said too which my thing is and I know I'm not the only one so that's why I'm not afraid to say this I normally think on a small scale and that's something I got to get out of like when you said these dinners I, I never wanted to do like a dinner or, or a cupcake 
sale or, or I never want to do that because my organization, you know, it, it takes a lot to run it. So those are small to me, but I just couldn't figure out how to create something big because, my, you know, I just haven't been, my mind hasn't been exercised to think in that way. So I'm excited to take your class next week and I'm excited to be a part of this group because I really need this and I just want to say thank you for that. You know, thank you. And Tracy, just remind me, you and I talked several weeks back and you the one that has several properties under uh, lease that you sublease for your program, right? Right, yes. Yeah, you're, you're the person that really made me wish I started recording the podcast in Clubhouse at the same time because we got on so – it was so impromptu. We were on for like 45 minutes, and we went in deep. And if you remember that conversation, and I shared this with you during our consult, we're going to do that same thing, but now it's going to be written down and it's going to be – memorialize so you're going to build on that thing we started and i i want to shout you out just for allowing me to help you that day uh because it was definitely a wonderful experience for me um just to share share that information with you yeah yeah it it was thank you because it's it's like you know the light went off it's it's i I was stuck and didn't know that i was stuck you know, until I spoke to you, and I'm like, aha, I got it. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm on and running things to you. No, and, so. and, and again, back to you, like I told you, and you know, um, privately, and I'll say it publicly, I wish more people did what you did. Because everybody is so focused on owning the property, owning the asset, and not realizing you can do enough stuff just by being in control of the asset and it's probably more advantageous for your business in the long run but we're going to work this out over the next seven weeks of the master class we're going to help you go to that next level so i'm super excited about it okay cool awesome mercedes welcome to the stage Yep. They will give to the end of time. Now, I don't know. The question I 
other larger white institutions have. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, for sure. But the, all the, the little events that you, that you mentioned, one of them I actually tried to do, me and my colleague was like, hey, we should like get, a, get the, the donors a box and they can sit and watch the Zoom virtual events. And we were sh- shut down. It's like, you know, a lot of established nonprofits, they don't want to, they want to do business as usual. And it gets really frustrating. It's true. Because your ideas, especially the beer wine, ooh, <laughs> I was like, yes, outside of the box thinking yep. of how to fundraise is needed, you know? Yep. And I think with the pandemic, it's going to happen more and more. I honestly don't think we need the, the big over the top gala as people say we do. Because in those spaces, like, like, especially the gala, there is an ask for donations, and it's usually an auction. Well, if you remove that big gala and have many events during the year, you can have yep. two, yep. two um, um, auctions, side auctions a year. Yep. That alone will generate the money. Yes, it will. You know? And in regards to you asking at the like, you know, amazing functions that, you know, examples of functions that you brought up, Doing the donation asking those events are really important because then you really can tell the people who just come to your cool, like, wine and cheese event or golf and tournament every year because of the experience and the mingling, as opposed to the people who are, like, there because, oh, yeah, I know that organization, I believe in that mission, and you see them all the time because if they give in the middle of the, your event, you can at least pull them into the other things you do and keep building them as reoccurring donors. So, Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to be back listening, <laughs> doctor. <laughs> I already follow, I'm going to follow you on Instagram. I'm going to dig and find your book and read it because, yes. Ugh. Yeah, absolutely. Day, I was like, oh my God, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, keep at it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I, and I really enjoyed this conversation so much. I really did. <laughs> no, I appreciate <laughs> it. No, it's all good. Thank you, Mercedes. I appreciate that. Yes, this is Mercedes, and I'm done speaking. Thank you. You know, shout out to the masters and nonprofit students. I'm actually designing a course right now for a college in uh, in in Georgia, so I'm jumping into that world too, and hopefully we get to impact lives there, uh, giving them um, some cool resources to help them on their journey. Uh, see, Alexander, what's going on, sir? What are your thoughts about experience-based events uh, to generate hundred thousand dollars in six months? I think this is uh, very exciting. Um, I hadn't been able to listen to everything closely, so I may repeat something that someone else has to say. But I uh, just want to express uh, gratitude to you for daring us to think big. Uh, it, it is a habit in, in the nonprofit world, at least in some circles, to think we're going to eke by, we're going to you know barely get our people paid, we're going to do all these things. But you snatch us out of that comfort zone every time I listen to you. So... I just want to thank you for for that for that influence and for that work. But no, I, I like all of these things that were shared uh, in terms of engaging people as well as raising money. And so uh, the, the ability, and, and I think the one that resonated to me was the uh, painting party. So uh, you may, you, you, I'm sure you recall them doing the Reentry Arts Connection. And mm-hmm. so being able to tie in uh, some component of what we're going to be doing over the long run and letting 
donors and other supporters experience that and at the same time raising a big money which I'm still getting accustomed to <laughs> to let my mind expand <laughs> um, uh, I, I appreciate that and, and just a FYI we opened our banking account yesterday shout out to you man yes sir Yes, sir. And so I, I, I created the, I created the uh, PayPal link. So now I literally have something to, to send to people to say, give us money. But I know there's so much more, and, and just listening to you is a good uh, reminder of how much more is out there and how worthy the people that we're trying to serve are. So yeah. thank you. Awesome, man. I'm so glad to hear that. And I'm sure Asia and the crew uh, will be glad to hear that as well. So, guys, uh, we've been on for for over 50, 51 minutes, and it's been my pleasure to hang out with you guys. Um, just a couple of housekeeping reminders. If you would like to talk with me personally about your specific project or your idea, your nonprofit, uh, shoot me a DM and ask me for uh, the link to get on my schedule. We'll be glad to do that and to just spend some time talking about what you got going on and how I can help you. Uh, secondly, if you want to access any of my resources, free or otherwise, visit drwilliampclark.com where you can access my books, the application to the masterclass, uh, access to what you should know before applying for grants masterclass, um, free downloads, and so much more. And then uh, finally, if you want this type of coaching all to yourself on a regular basis, please go to nonprofitfundingstrategies.com. Again, nonprofitfundingstrategies.com. Submit your application. We're starting our next cohort next week. I would love to have you part of that journey. We did. Uh, this is new, Tracy, for you because you already signed up. We changed the master class to a 12-month uh, master class now. So you, you got in on the front end. We changed it a little bit um, because we wanted to make it longer for people uh, who needed that support beyond, beyond the seven weeks. So Tracy, we'll talk about some of the nuances there and how that may impact you uh, and how you want to move forward. But for those of you who want to be a part of that 12 months long, be a part of this journey. I would love to be a part of your journey. I would love to help you on your journey to simplify your fundraising approaches to raise serious money for your nonprofits. Uh, this is Dr. William Clark for the Dr. William Clark Podcast. For the Nonprofit Funding Tips Room, we will catch you guys on the flip side. Be safe. Hey, everyone. This is Dr. William Clark here. I just wanted to come on really quick and say thank you for listening to another episode of the Dr. William Clark Podcast. We are here to help you uh, simplify your processes so you can triple fundraising results to support the programs that mean so much to you. Would you be so kind to like, comment, and share this particular podcast? We are indebted to you for being faithful listeners to this particular podcast show, and we want to continue to spread uh, this message to other people who can benefit from it. So please share this podcast episode and entire show with your colleagues your friends and people who you know can benefit from this you can connect with us in two ways you can go to drwilliampclark.com again that's drwilliampclark.com or you can visit us at my sixfigurefunding.com again that's my sixfigurefunding.com there you can register for our free upcoming webinar how to triple fundraising results without chasing funders it is possible, and I share with you the secrets on how to do that. Thanks again. We'll see you in the next episode.